Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help For You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. But there always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello and welcome to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the last topic that I shared. And if you missed the episode and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on my YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as multiple favorite podcast platforms. And if you'd like to receive notifications on when my podcasts have been uploaded, please like and subscribe. Today, I wanna to talk about some of the typical mistakes that business owners make and how to avoid them. So many businesses start with the passion to serve their clients with products or services, but don't know everything that they need to be compliant. So I want to share some of those with you today. I wrote about these mistakes in my chapter of the book, Business Success with Ease, which is available for purchase on my website. I'll include the link in the show notes if you're interested in reading what I discuss in more detail, including some of the mistakes that I'm not covering today. The book has 20 authors covering many topics to help you grow your business, so it's a fabulous resource. But I want to focus on compliance mistakes today, since making those can be financially costly due to penalties and fees charged by the government agencies. So as an entrepreneur, you may have started your business for any number of reasons. Perhaps you were laid off and you wanted to try owning your own business. Maybe you had a hobby that you turned into products or services you sell, or maybe you see it as freedom to be your own boss. But no matter the impetus for starting your own company, you may be making some mistakes. And most of these areas can have a material impact on the financial success of your business. So mistake number one is not getting the proper licenses or your permits. 
Now, a lot of times people are confused regarding these types of business licenses, and these are for the cities that you operate in. This is not your DBA, which is usually for the county or, of course, incorporating in your state. So if you're operating and a city does require for you to have a business license, you need to make sure that you are filing that every year. And in some cases, some states want them twice a year. So look into the requirements for your city. And sometimes the fees are based on the total payroll. Sometimes it's on the number of employees that you have, or in many cases, it's on the gross earnings of your business. Some do have exceptions if they are paid timely. So for instance, if you're considered a small business operating in the city of Los Angeles, if you file on time, which is before February 28th, then you don't owe any tax at all. But if you're late in filing, you owe the tax plus the penalties and interest for filing late. So again, look to see if you can file for an exemption and actually be able to eliminate the tax that you would owe if you file on time. Now be aware that agencies do talk to each other. So if you don't have a permit, register right away. So again, if you're filing an income tax return with your state, often the state is going to make sure that the cities know that you're operating and those cities can look to see if you have a license in place. And in many cases, you may need a home operating permit as well. So if your business is run from your home, not only would you need a business license for your city, but some cities require a home operating permit. So be sure to check the regulations again and make sure that you're in compliance by filing all of the necessary forms and paying all of the required fees. Now, how would you avoid this mistake? Number one, of course, check with your city to find the due dates and the amounts that you have to pay and make a note whether it's on a calendar on your phone, if you use a paper calendar, because that's just still easier for you, whether it's an Outlook reminder that will pop up, but make sure that you put it on your calendar or if you use project management software, put it in there with an annual recurrence so that you'll get reminded in plenty of of time to file and pay. So mistake number two is incorrect sales tax calculations and not calculating for the jurisdictions that you're selling in. So the first thing you need to know is what's taxable. And usually the rule says that everything is taxable unless it's specifically exempted in the rules by that state. Now, sometimes labor is taxable. A lot of times people will think, well, I provide a service. It's not taxable at all. So for instance, if you provide a logo to a business that they're going to be putting onto collateral materials that they will be using, sometimes that could be taxable, again, depending on the location that you're operating in. And of course, food oftentimes is taxable as well. So again, it comes down to the regulations of the state that you're selling in. And so you need to be aware if you're selling in multiple jurisdictions, what the sales tax rules are for each location that you're selling in. And you need to know the rates for each city and county. So again, there's usually a general state sales tax rate, but then often voters will say, you know, yes to tax increases for, you know, getting money for roads or there's a gas tax or education. And that's often 
brought in to the locations through sales tax. And so the rates are generally more in those areas. So you have to know, for instance, if you're selling in a county that's higher than the state, setting that up. If there's a city within the county that's even higher, you have to set that up. So it can get very complicated, but you need to keep up on that. And every quarter, look to see if there are any changes in any of the locations that you sell in uh, because they will go into effect generally at the start of a new quarter. And if you purchase something to use in your business that you should have paid sales tax on, but you didn't, then often use tax is due. So again, if it's something that you were going to go to a store and purchase that you would have been charged tax on, but you happen to buy it resale, but you use it in your business, then you have to pay the use tax. So for instance, this happens a lot with hair salons where you're buying inventory to sell your to your customer so you don't pay tax, but then you happen to be using a bottle of shampoo, you know, for your clients that come in. And so then you have to pay the use tax on that because the tax is charged to the final user and you are the final user in that case. Be sure to always look at the regulations, again, specifically for your location to make sure that you're in compliance for these filings. So how do you avoid this mistake? It can be very complicated now, especially if you're selling online into multiple states. It used to be simple where if you were in one state and selling out of state, you just had to say out of state, you didn't have to collect, and you would only remit in the jurisdictions for the state you're located in. Back in 2016, there was a case that now said that states can require you to collect from your customers based on the nexus you have in their state. And so you may have to collect and remit now in multiple states. So look into those jurisdictions and find out the rules of how many transactions or how many dollars are required for you to collect. And then when you must register and remit that tax. And also again, check to see what is taxable in each jurisdiction, because in one state it may not be taxable and in another it may be. And so so look up to see what's taxable and what's exempt. And then again, finding the rates for each location that you're selling into. Generally speaking, it's the rate where the client receives the product or service, not your location. Now, if you're a brick and mortar and the customer's coming to you, you're making the sale in your location, it would be your jurisdiction. But if you're selling to somebody and shipping to them, the tax is basically the location where those items will be received. Okay, mistake number three. Failure to file the paperwork on time. Now, again, this could be something like the business license that we discussed earlier. It could be sales tax filings. In many cases, sales taxes due quarterly. But some states may say if your amount is so low, you can actually file annually, then that is, you know, obviously different. In that case, you'll have a calendar year, which is January through December, due generally the following January. Sometimes you'll have from July of one year to June of the next, due in July. But if your rate increases to now where you're due to have to reply and submit that information quarterly, if you don't make that change, you can end up with penalties. There are some locations that you have to file the 
actual report every month. And there are some locations where you make prepayments for the tax, but then file the report quarterly. So once again, look at the state, look at the due dates, and make sure that it makes sense for you and you know exactly when you have to file. Now, we did have a state we were working with before New York that was a little bit odd. You would think quarterly would be like January through March, and then it was due in April. In New York, it was different where they had, in the case of my client, and I'm not sure if this is, was across the board, but it was December, January, and February was due in March. So if you assume it's a calendar quarter and then you have to file the month after quarter end, they would have been a month late if they had filed in that way. So thankfully, when they became a client of ours, we looked into the rules and regulations for them and submitted that on time. So again, it's very important that you look at each jurisdiction that you're selling into and make notes on your calendar. Again, project management is great to keep track of every state or jurisdiction that you have to sell into. Set up those repeat reminders so that you'll see that every time something is coming due. So make sure you know the due dates and file on time. And of course, schedule those payments on time as well. It's also important to make your estimated tax payments. So these are due in January, April, June, and September. Now, a lot of times people will think it's every three months, and you would think that would be kind of the norm, but unfortunately, that's not how it works. So you go from January to April is three months, April to June is only two months, June to September, another three months, and then September to the following January, four months. So make sure that you have that on your calendar again, because if you're thinking it's every three months, you would think it's due in July. It's really due in June. So make sure you're making those estimated tax payments to the federal government and if necessary to your state location as well. Now, payroll, those taxes are due based on how much payroll tax you collect overall in the look-back period. Generally, the look-back period is July of one year to June of the next. And if you have to remit $50,000 or more dollars in that look-back period, and that's the total employer and employee taxes paid together, then you become a semi-weekly depositor, which means every time you run a payroll, taxes are due. Now, if you owe less than $50,000 in that look-back period, but more than $2,500 in a quarter, then you are a monthly tax depositor. So, for instance, if you run payroll in April of one month, your tax will be due May 15th of the next, unless that falls on a weekend or a holiday. Payroll run in May would be due in June. So it's always the month following the period end. Now, if you are a very small employer and you owe less than $2,500 in the quarter, you may be able to pay the quarterly amounts, but you can still pay more often if you prefer. But very few qualify for quarterly payments or even annual payments. Very few are even ever set up for an annual filing and annual payments. So most of the time, you're going to be a monthly or a semi-weekly depositor. So make sure that those payroll taxes are paid paid on time. 
Again, we talked about sales tax. Some accounts are a monthly prepay with a quarterly filing. Some are just quarterly filing. And again, very few are annual filers. Again, it's if you're mostly a service, but maybe you sell some inventory, like for instance, a gym, maybe you're selling t-shirts or water bottles or wrist wraps. Then if you're small enough, in terms of your inventory that you're selling, you may be able to file annually, but once again, be sure that you know with your location and the agency that you're filing with what those requirements are. And then once again, different licenses vary based on your city or county. You may have alarm permits, you may have health permits, of course your business license. So look into everything that you need to file and get those dates again on your calendar or your project management software so you don't miss any of those because usually penalties are at least 10% and interest will accrue until that is paid. So IRS penalties, if you do not pay your payroll taxes on time, or of course, if you've got income tax and things too, but we're going to look mainly at payroll taxes. If you do not pay on time, uh, what are those amounts that are due? So generally 2% if your deposit is made between one and five days late. 5% if deposits are made six to 15 days late and 10% deposits made 16 or more days late. 10% is, again, the amounts paid within 10 days of the date of the first notice that you receive from the IRS asking for your tax to be due. And there's also a 10% penalty if you were making deposits at an unauthorized financial institution, which most people don't do any longer. You used to be able to make those deposits at banks and you cannot any longer. If you mail a payment directly to the IRS, but you should have made that payment electronically, or if, again, if you paid with a tax return itself. So for instance, if you submit a 941 and then you mail a payment, unless you are allowed to pay quarterly and your tax was less than that $2,500, then you can have a 10% penalty as well. 10% penalty, again, if the amount subject to electronic deposit requirements were not made, making electronic, electronic deposits through your payroll software or the EFTPS system. 15%, which are amounts still unpaid more than 10 days after the date of your first notice that the IRS sent asking for the next tax due. And then for each whole or part month that a return is not filed when required, there's a failure to file penalty, which is 5% of the unpaid tax that's due with the return. The maximum penalty is generally 25% of the tax due. In addition to penalties, of course, interest will accrue from the date that the tax was due but unpaid. So again, how do you avoid this? <laughs> Number one, discuss due dates with your CPA for the estimated taxes and find out exactly what you should be paying so you don't end up with underpayment amounts as well. Even if you pay on time, if you don't pay enough, you can also end up with penalties and interest. Again, look at your state and federal guidelines for your payroll tax deposits. Look at your sales tax agency sites for those due dates. And once again, put all of this on your calendar or a project management system to remind you each time one of those is due. And another mistake, not filing your 1099 forms annually. 
And in order to do your 1099s, you must have the information from your vendors in order to be able to properly file. So be sure to request those W-9 forms and set up your system so you know who is subject and how much that they need to be paid. So again, the W-9 form will give you the vendor name, their legal name of how they are submitting their tax returns. And a lot of times people who are doing business as something, but they are not actually an entity may give you the DBA name, but if they're filing under their social security number, you need to have their name, not the DBA, or you'll end up with a mismatch. And that can result in a penalty as well. Again, you need to have the proper tax ID, make sure you have their address, and then you'll have to be able to submit those 1099s. There are two different types of 1099s as well now. There's an NEC form and an MISC that most businesses have to file. Of course, there are other 1099 forms as well, but in general, you won't have those other forms that have to be filed. And I do have information as well as a free handout even on how to do your 1099s. So I will put a link in the show notes also for that 1099 resource guide uh, that you can then see who is subject, how do you report, but it's important that you file these each January and they're due to your recipients by January 31st. And the NEC form is also due to the IRS by January 31st. And then MISC forms, if you're filing electronically, you can submit by the end of March. If you're filing on paper, make sure they're submitted by February 28th. Now again, how do you avoid the mistake of not filing these on time? Number one, make sure that you request the W-9 form from your vendors. And my recommendation is ask for this before you ever even make your first payment. Once you've paid the vendors, if you're trying to get this later on in the year, it's often much more difficult. So go ahead and ask them for the form before you ever make your first payment to the vendor. Now, if you are paying by credit card, you don't have to issue a 1099, but if you're paying them by cash, check, ACH, then you need to make sure that you have that information to properly record and be able to process those forms at the end of the year. And then know who must receive forms on the IRS guidelines. So once again, I just mentioned if you pay by credit card, uh, you don't have to. In many cases, if they're an entity, so an S corporation or a C corporation or, you know, an LLC that's claiming as an S corporation, then you don't have to, in general, report them. But there are some cases that you do. So any attorney, you would have to report and any medical payments that you're making in the course of business would also have to be reported. Again, I go in through all of the exceptions to the rules and who must receive one, even if they're an entity in my 1099 guide. So be sure to download that. And then make sure that you fill in all of the boxes correctly. So again, the legal name and the tax ID and the address of your recipient as well as your tax ID, the business name, address, the box that shows exactly what they were paid for and making sure you're using the right form. 
All right. So I know compliance can be very difficult to understand and it can be frustrating. All of these mistakes can end up with penalties and interest for not paying on time. And again, it's just so much to keep track of when you're starting a business and you don't know everything that you need to be doing. So I just wanted to go over this today just to make sure that you're aware of some of the top mistakes. Again, in the book that I have my chapter in, I've discussed 10 mistakes and today I only talked about a few of those. So if you want to find out more of the mistakes I discuss, again, the chapter um, that I discuss these in is in the book, Business Success with Ease. You can also find that on my website, but again, I'll have the link in the show notes. So thank you for listening to this topic. I hope you found this discussion interesting and that it helped answer some of your questions on the mistakes that business owners make and how to avoid them. And if you have any additional questions, be sure to reach out to me. Send me a message at media at abandp.com. Of course, I also share resources on my website through my blog. I do create video tips and of course the podcasts that I do share lots of information with you too. So there's resources available for you to help you answer your questions. But if you can't find what you need, again, feel free to reach out at media at abandp.com. I'm happy to send you uh, the tips that you need to be able to be doing what you should be doing to be in compliance. And I hope you can join me for my next interview. And remember, you can connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And again, my website is abandp.com. You can also find my show, Biz Help For You, posted on multiple favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And would you please share my show with those you know and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. I'd really appreciate your support. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you for listening to Biz Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next time. Have a terrific day.